Imagine turning five realtors into 55 with absolutely no cold calling, no sales pitch and no ass kissing. In today's show, Jared Shaw is going to share exactly how he's done that over the last two years. And this is a fantastic conversation. Jared's a mortgage broker, been in the business for the last three years. Previous to that, he worked for ATB Financial and was in leadership there and joined the broker space not that long ago and started out with five realtors. Now he has 55. His business is growing like crazy and he's not doing what most people are doing. So in this podcast, he's going to talk about how he sends out an automated email that almost no one is sending and gets a ton of response from his realtors. We're also going to talk about where he reaches out to the listing agent. He's very strategic about this and it's not where most people do it. Resulted in a ton of new introductions and warm introductions for realtors. And he breaks down the specific, just the whole process of how he uses his process to attract real estate agents. It's absolutely fantastic. At the end of this episode, I'm actually going to break it down for you in a bit more detail because we kind of go a little bit all over the place, but I'll map it out for you so you can have a listen to how to implement this right into your business. Before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy to use. It's got cool features like smart docs. It knows exactly what documents a client needs based on their application. It's got smart submission notes. It pulls key data from the application to send to the lender. And it's connected to Lender Spotlight, which is the best tool for searching rates and guidelines. Over 8,000 the last time I checked. You can check them out at lendus.com slash Finmo and check out this conversation with Jared. Hey, Jared, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, man. Good to be back for sure. So if anybody doesn't know who you are, maybe give a quick summary of who you are and how you got into the mortgage biz. Yeah, for sure. Jared Shaw is my name. I was on your podcast, I think, Scott, like two and a half years ago or so. Yep. Definitely good to be back. I still have my I Love Mortgage Brokering mug. So thank you. But yeah, so I've been in the industry now for about three years, got into brokering. Three years ago, I worked for a bank, a local credit union, I guess, large credit union, 160 branches or whatever. But was pretty much ready to do something on my own. I was in you know the corporate banking side in a leadership role, and I was just ready to do something different. So I jumped out and yeah, got right into the industry right away. Got a license about a couple months just after I had left the bank. And the transition has been awesome. It's been great for the family. My work-life balance is sometimes a little bit more crazy and unpredictable now, but it's been a great transition. Financially, it's been a very good decision for us. And I miss a lot of the leadership side and the people side, but I still get to deal with people every single day. And that's what I love doing. And it's been uh, yeah, a really good transition for us, for sure. Right. That's amazing. So I was just pulling up the old episode. You did like 110 mortgages or something in your first 12 months. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a good start. I mean, I did have my feet running as soon as I hit the ground when I did leave. But yeah, I had a couple of really good relationships at the bank that I was able to translate over into my business here. So one of my roles as a banker, of course, I had a couple of realtors that were my clients. There's about four or five realtors that I worked with on a weekly basis, I'd say either helping with their clients files or actually banking for them personally. And when I had left, it was just a couple of really quick phone calls to get back into their network and say like, Hey, I'm a broker now. Here's what I'm doing. If there's anything I can do to help. And sure enough, you know, within a day, those files started to come in. So let me ask you this, because I've done a couple of shows on this recently talking to people who are ex bankers, and I kind of forgot that you did that. But what was better about being a broker? And what was better about being a banker? Yeah, I do think being a broker is better, but I don't want to slant it completely. Yeah, I think the easy part about being a banker is that you're always guaranteed a paycheck. Yeah. So emotionally and financially, you don't have to worry about when you're getting paid, how much you're getting paid, you knew every two weeks that you're getting paid the same amount. But also in the same breath, like that's the shitty part about it. Now that I have commission structure and every single minute I put in reflects in a dollar value back to me. 
and it's different every two weeks. And sometimes it's incredible and sometimes it's not so incredible. But I think I love that about it too. And yeah, I'd say like the easy part and the good part of being a broker now is essentially just having the flexibility to earn what you want. And I know it's easier for some than it is for others. And when I say, yeah, you can go make as much as you want. If your phone's not ringing, you're not going to go make as much as you want. Right. But once you get to the point where your phone is ringing and you know it's up to you to pick that up and good chance if you don't pick it up, you might lose that deal. But once you can understand, like you picking up the phone, there's a good chance you're going to you know work with a client on the other end or a partner or create new relationships somewhere which ultimately, again, just reflects back in the revenue that you make for yourself every year. So, Right. You have no guarantee, but you also have no cap on your upside if you have motivation and drive. And I say there's a little bit of luck in there. I listened to a book recently called Psychology of Money, and I think I sometimes undervalue luck. Yeah. You know, I'd say it's 20%, but you still have 80% of the work to do, and then the last 20% could come up. But if you don't do the 80%, you're going to have no luck for sure. 100%. Yeah. On these realtor partners, so when you switched over from being in the bank side, like, did they have no problem with that? Did they go, oh, well, you know, Jared, because, you know, sometimes people think the brand matters, but like, what was your experience? Yeah, you know what, like, I find in this business too, like, I am a broker under Bricks, of course, I have my own brand, my own company, like Merge Mortgage Group is our team name. I would say still 90% of my clients or 95% don't know what brokerage I'm at, don't know my team name. They know me and they come for me, I think. Again, not even a biased opinion, but I just feel like, you know, people go for brokers and realtors because of who they are and what they can do for them, not for the brand they work for. I worked for a really powerful brand in Alberta being ATB Financial, like that's the bank I worked for. Probably the most reputable bank in the province and it was an amazing place to work. The leadership there was great. The following and the trust from Albertans for that bank is really strong. But again, when I left, it wasn't much of a conversation with the realtors to say like, hey, I'm no longer working with ATB. It's like, okay, Jared, we don't care. Like we want to work with you wherever you work. So that was a really nice thing for me to hit the ground running with is just the trust that I had from my partners that they were going to support me no matter where I worked. And that's truly why I'm able to do this now is because I did have that kickstart rate when I first started. Don't know what I would have done if I didn't have files on day one, right? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But here's the thing, though, you are able to still solve their problems and, you know, help yeah. them with their business and stuff. So, you know, an area that you've done very well on in terms of like your business is your process. And so maybe talk to me about that. So how are you using your process as prospecting? Because you know, from what my conversations with you, it seems like you take a deal and turn it into another one and another one. And like, so walk me through that. Yeah. And this may sound like a little cliche, but this is how I chose to build my business. And it's worked really well for me and my partners and my team. But right when I first started, like I said, I had four or five agents that were my clients that we were able to just kind of take with us when we left, not from the bank, but they'd start sending us their files and whatnot. So we figured it out really quickly that you can grow the business if you have the right partners. And everybody knows in this industry that real estate agents, realtors are the ones who essentially drive the industry. They talk to clients every single day about buying homes, selling homes, and a lot of their clients ask them about mortgages, right? So mm -hmm. first point of contact for probably 80 or 90% of people buying a house isn't usually the bank. It's never the lawyer. It's always going to be the real estate agent. So we tried to capture that with our process and our whole value proposition. And like my realtor partners are my clients and the client doing the mortgage or getting the mortgage, they're absolutely a client of ours as well. But that's kind of like an offshoot of a really good relationship with the realtors. So how we've grown our realtor network is really great communication, of course, with the agent that we're working with. But I'll always either pick up the phone or send an email or 
a text message just to the person on the other end, the realtor on the other end, not necessarily disclosing anything about the file, of course, but just saying, hey, Scott, I'm the mortgage broker working on XX house, whatever street, just to let you know that we're working on the file and we should have something to the buying agent, you know, within a couple days here. But that's what we do. And a lot of the realtors on the listing side even send back and just say, hey, that's awesome. Thanks so much. Right. So what that does is just opens another opportunity for conversation afterwards and once that deal is all said and done maybe i'll fire back another text to that realtor and just say hey hope that experience was good for you super happy for your sellers if you ever want to catch up and have a coffee let us know and we'd love to just you know go second place or third place on your list and that's how we've built it into a really really strong referral network and i've probably worked with 55 or 60 realtors in 2023 that have you know sent us files which usually that would translate to, if you double that 120 realtors throughout the year that you can now not necessarily even cold call to but just a warm call to say like hey i was on your file hope it was a great experience congrats on the sale and i'd love to connect with you and the amount of response we get back it's like nearly 100 percent. i think there's one guy out of calgary who just like didn't like us for some reason and he just didn't respond right probably his significant other is a mortgage broker so you weren't going to get him anyway right or yeah who knows like, man but you know like you don't know right yeah it's just a really good way to have that warm connection to somebody who truly is in the business every single day it's worked for us and yeah we've got like a really large network now of business partners and referral partners that send us work and as long as you can execute and pick up the phone when they call, I think that's like the biggest piece is like you need to be able to pick up the phone or be able to get back to them within a reasonable amount of time. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, then you're just like as bad as it sounds. You're just like the banks because the banks are salaried. They'll call you back when they want to call you back and they probably won't call you back. You know, right. yeah, So yeah, if you pick up sense. the phone and call people back, it's truly that easy. And like if you can get in more inboxes of more realtors and again i know it sounds cliche and it's just like it's not that easy but at the same time it is that easy because nobody is really following up with both sides i won't say nobody but you don't see it as much that people are actually authentic and genuine about reaching out not reaching out to sell it's like hey congrats that was an awesome experience for us hopefully your client is happy with the sale of their home or whatever you want to say and it's worked out like really well for us right so you started with five realtors approximately when you left the bank that you knew and now you have 55 and so how many of those other 50 ish that you work with have come from touching a file that you're working on pretty much all of them to be honest and like i live in lethbridge alberta it's a smaller community hundred thousand people here and i probably work with maybe seven or eight agents in lethbridge here um, i ran some numbers last week and only about 22 percent of my business actually comes from lethbridge the rest is from east kootenai bc a little bit up in your area scott and I am licensed in BC as well and Alberta, a lot in Calgary, a lot up in Fort McMurray. And for the other 40 agents that I'm working with, I've never met them face to face, never in my life, not even on a Zoom call. It's like phone call, text message. And if you can effectively communicate, you know, with authenticity, I guess that's the word. Yeah. And you're not just trying to be a salesman saying, hey, send me referrals. I just find it's more of a professional relationship and they emulate that. And it's, um, it's good. It works. Okay. So I love this. So you basically went from five realtor partners to 55 and you did no cold calling, except you just did a file. And so, okay, let's say I'm the realtor that is working with client, yeah. clients, Bob, Bob's buying a house. Walk me through where and when would you reach out to the other? And is it just the realtor you reach out to in the process? Like, how are you thinking about this? If I'm the realtor, I got my client, Bob, we're buying a condo. Walk me through what you do there. Yeah, for sure. And I wish I had my associate on the call right now. So Taylor is our fulfillment specialist. She's the one who actually does it all on my behalf. <laughs> right. But 
basically what we do if we get the file from the realtor i'll talk to the client and we'll have them usually sign or at least a conversation and say like hey are you okay if i keep your realtor in the loop with your file without disclosing any personal information no credit information no income or anything like that so we get the file their offer is accepted is the moment that we get it submitted which would always be same day that we get the offer regardless pretty much what time it's at. Even if it's later at night, we try to submit it that day. We will have an automated email sent out to the buying agent and to the client and to the lawyer that just says, hey, the files have been submitted. We should hear back within you know 24 to 48 hours. Here's the offer for the lawyer. Then I'll always, usually same day or next day, pick up the phone, call the client again to confirm that their deal's been submitted, ask for any more updated documents that we might need. But that's when I also reach out to the realtor and I'll just say, hey, Scott, you probably got the email. It might've landed in your junk mail. Just letting you know we got the file submitted. We should hear back within about 48 hours or so. I will let you know as soon as we have a conditional approval. And I'll also let you know if we need an appraisal or not. So it keeps them in the loop. They're not wondering that now the client has gone into the bank. Am I going to hear in two weeks if this deal is going to happen or have they even gone to the bank or whatever, right? Right. So that first piece alone, the amount of feedback I've got off of that from people essentially just saying like, not many brokers even reach out to us at all. No banks reach out to us. We don't know where this file is at from basically after accepted to, you know, two weeks down the road when conditions are supposed to be lifted. So the realtor is going to know like on day one that it's been submitted on day two, like I said, I'll follow up with a phone call and just tell them like, hey, yeah, it looks really good. We should hear back right away. Or you know what, this one might have a bit of hair on it and it might take us a full couple of weeks here or 10 days or something before we actually get this going. So fast forward then a day, we get the conditional approval. Of course, we send that off to the client and then we'll also send an email to the buying agent. So their realtor and saying, hey, good news, we have a conditional approval. I need an appraisal, I don't need an appraisal. Now we're going through a document review. Right, you just let them know what you need. You're giving them a heads up. Totally, yeah, yeah. And then again, that's usually where I stop that or a quick text message to let them know, hey, great news. And realtors love to hear this, like great news, got the conditional approval, no appraisal. I love sending that text or that email because now they know that that's one less thing that they have to worry about. And then, yeah, then we basically go through our doc review. And then basically when I uh, have it unconditionally approved or very close to, that's when I'll typically reach out to the listing agent and just say, hey, Scott, Jared here, I'm the mortgage broker working with the person who's buying your house at X address. Just let you know, we're pretty darn close here. And if there's anything you need, feel free to reach out. And then I always get a response saying, hey, that's amazing. Thank you. And then that's my warm intro, I guess, for when that file closes, I can reach back out now because they have my number. They saved it because I always send them my contact card that has like our Facebook, our website and all that. And I do put in there, hey, check us out, all that kind of stuff. When I reach back out, I just say, hey, again, congrats on the sale. If you ever want to connect for a virtual coffee or a phone call, whatever, let me know. And it turns into like a relationship immediately. And there's lots of times where I've done that and I haven't followed up because I haven't necessarily had to yet. But if I was like better at following up with every single one of those listing agents, like I can almost guarantee you I'd pick up half of them, at least for an opportunity. Right. So it's worked. Yeah. And then, so, okay, what other communication points are you doing? So I'm going to break this down after if you're listening because yeah. I've been taking notes. But so, okay, you go from almost approved or very close and then you say, oh, it's done. Give them another heads up. When it's approved, you're talking to the client, the buying agent, the listing agent, the lawyer, I would assume again. And the lawyer, yeah. And then what happens after that? What's the touch points yeah. between now and closing? So basically every time like all conditions are met, we're good. Now we're just in that weird waiting phase before the people get their house. 
It's a great question. I actually like, <laughs> I don't have a, an educated answer on that one because once that job is done, we're working on the next file. Okay. So you don't have anything baked into the process there. It's just like, not necessarily. No, I mean, right. the day before funding, I guess there's not total silence. So we will always follow up with the lawyer, usually like 10 to 14 days before closing to make sure they have instructions and that they're accurate. So we do that. The lawyer always responds. If there's any issues we need to clean up, we do then. And then a day before we make sure that they've requested their funding from the bank. And they always do day of funding. I call the lawyer first thing in the morning or Taylor will our associate. Do you have the money? Yes. Okay. Then I'll call the realtor and say, Hey, great news. Money's there. They just got a transfer. And then I'll call the client, of course, and give them, you know, their congratulations and let them know everything's ready to go. But there are sometimes you call the lawyer like, Hey, I don't have money yet. Or it's three o'clock in the afternoon. And you know, one of the green banks hasn't sent any money yet. And it's fairly common. So it's up to us to make sure that's communicated effectively and executed even better. So yeah, but again, like those little touch points, they seem like trivial. They seem like they could be trivial, but they're not. They're not, they're not at all. Trivial. Especially again, nope. we've built our entire value proposition around attracting realtors and nobody cares more about the deal than a realtor. And yes, they want to do as best for their client and they always do. And they're great at that, but they also want to make sure that that deal is going to close. Right. So we keep them in the loop and it's really mm-hmm. been beneficial for us. And as long as they know and they're comfortable with what's happening, there's no surprises on closing day. There's no surprises two weeks after that offer goes in to say like, hey, like, sorry, my bank said no after two weeks. You know what I mean? Right. So, okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then the listing agent, because you've done this communication piece that's turned into, Hey, let's chat, you know, yep. turns into new business for you guys. Absolutely. So how many yeah. of those steps are done by you and how many are done by your fulfillment? Um, you said the email is automated. Hey, files been submitted the next day when there's a call to the realtor and the client, yeah. is that you or is that your fulfillment? I do those for you sure. Do those? Okay. No, that's definitely me. So Taylor will send out like the submission email. She'll send out the approval email. She'll send the documents out to the lawyer and everything with her name on it and everything. Mm-hmm. She just said, Hey, I'm a associate for Jared. Here's the file. And then just kind of goes through the templates that we built for that. But anytime it's like a warm intro, a first intro to either a listing agent or a buying agent, because we often get buying agents as well that I've never talked to in my life. And those ones are a lot easier than the listing agent mm-hmm. because you're in constant communication with that buying agent. Yeah. Yeah. So she will do like all the more like process driven stuff. And then the stuff where it has to be a little bit warmer, you know, as an introduction would be, that's me picking up the phone like 100% of the time. Okay. And then on the listing agent. So when it's nearly approved, you know, you said, yeah. which is kind of clever, like the ball is almost in the hoop and you're like, Hey, just let you know, totally. rather than doing it too early. Yeah. So you actually can look more like a hero. That's a very interesting distinction. Well, you think about this from a listing agent's perspective, if the buying agent isn't communicating with them to say like, Hey, yeah, I talked to the broker. Sounds like we're a go, but still waiting. If that conversation doesn't happen, then the listing agent is sitting in limbo for two weeks, wondering, not knowing what the heck's happening. So if I can just fire out and just say like, Hey, just introducing myself, I'm working on the file should have something done for us here in the next couple of days. Even if I didn't say that, even if I just said, hey, I'm working on the file, just wanted to introduce myself, that's like more than they will get like 98% of the time. And then a couple of days later, or however long, then it's approved. Is there another reach out at that point once it's unconditionally approved? Yeah. And is that you or is that Taylor? That's me for sure. Yeah, that's me. Okay. And that's again, just as you know, we remove conditions, super excited for your seller. And yeah, here's a bit more about us. Love to chat. Right. Like I said, I don't think I've had anybody but one guy not respond. Mm-hmm. So it all comes down to having a good process, communicating throughout the process ahead of before people have a chance to ask. We've talked about this before, but 
I jokingly say Domino's does a better job of communication than most mortgage brokers by a long shot. Like totally, you know exactly where your pizza is at all times, yeah. but you don't know where your mortgage is. Yeah. And we're talking, it's a $20 pizza. Yeah. Two of my kids are now delivering Domino's actually, which is hilarious, but yeah, nice. that's a side thing. Do you know, so just as a side note, Domino's, at least the ones here, and I'm sure it's everywhere, you know how they've got this software to track how many orders are coming in, when they're going to come out. Yeah. Well, they'll have a lot of drivers working. And I know a young guy there who's a manager, and he said that his number one job is to manage burn rate every 15 minutes. There's a ratio. Yeah. And if they're losing money, he's got to send people home. The one thing he can get fired for is not paying attention to that ratio of like Interesting. basically cash flow every 15 minutes. Yeah. And wow. I think Domino's obviously make money because they've understood that if you create an amazing the pizza itself is like, Meh. Yeah. but the yeah. process is good. The process is better than the pizza. Yeah. And that's a repeatable business. I find that fascinating. I would agree 100% with that because you can get a mortgage anywhere. It's going to be the same product. Yeah. But if your experience in the process is that much better, then you're going to go back to that. You know what I mean? And especially from the perspective of a realtor, they know that their client's going to get approved. They want to do 20 or 30, 40 a year. So, hey, I'm going to go where it's going to be the easiest. We do the same thing with our lenders, though. At the end of the day, yeah. if I say, who's your favorite lender? It's going to be people that communicate, that get stuff done. It's going to be tied to a person, usually. Totally. And you know, what's interesting is like, I get this question from other brokers, lawyers, other people in the industry, like Jared, like, don't you get sick of like kissing butt to realtors all the time? And we don't at all. I'm not saying we don't get sick of it because we don't actually have to do that. We don't do it. It's not what you're doing. Yeah, we don't do it. We have like really good processes. We communicate very well. And we don't ever have to necessarily ask for referrals. We just trust that our processes and our client journey and our experience is going to tell the story for us. So we don't have to necessarily ask for it. Like I said, it I don't know, it just seems to work. And I don't ever feel like I'm just like, you know, waiting, hoping this realtor sends me something because I trust that they trust me. And it just it seems to work. So right. Okay, so this was this was really helpful, by the way, thank you for being so transparent. What are one or two other things that you do? It could be in this part of the customer journey, or it could be at the back end when a files funded, what are one or two things you do that you feel like helps you guys create more business? I honestly think it's again, back to part of the process, but part of our team as well. So I have an incredible fulfillment specialist, we have a couple different roles for her, but that's ultimately the goal is fulfillment. If it wasn't for her and that role, I definitely could not do what we do because there's so many moving parts, as you'd know, and if you're doing anywhere from 10 to 15 or 20 files in a month, like my brain and my attention span is so short, like I would drop those balls 10 out of 10 times. Right. So I think like if you're in that zone of, you know, 20 million plus, if you want to continue to grow, I think it's imperative that you have somebody who's skilled on the back end to help you fulfill. So then you can focus on growing your business by way of contacting more partners, giving your clients the time and energy that they deserve. Because I know that there's lots of brokers that are doing it all on their own right now. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get past that, you know, 15, 20 million mark if you're doing it all yourself. So I think that's like the biggest differentiator for me is why I can continue to grow is because I have a process and a team in the back end that like does everything that I need to do that I don't have to do myself. So I can focus on the things I like doing and that's growing the business. I totally agree. A couple questions on that. Mm -hmm. How do you find somebody like that? That's <laughs> the first question. The second question is then how do you train them to, because people listening are like, yeah, that sounds great, Jared, but where did you find this unicorn? Yeah. That's what they're thinking. Probably. So absolutely. And I got super lucky with it. As you mentioned before, like two of our hires were a total luck. So the first one I got, who's now a broker on my team, her name is Christina. We got her. She happened to be a neighbor of ours out in BC and she's owned and operated and sold three different Tim Hortons locations. So her process 
from a franchise perspective and understanding how to execute, not necessarily from checklist, but to have somebody who understands like process is paramount yeah. because she's been in that industry before where Tim Hortons is 100% process driven, right? Yeah. So you have someone like that. She picked it up right away. She's now a licensed broker on our team, which is amazing. So we had to replace her with somebody. And we actually had a gal who worked in the previous brokerage that I was at, and they trained her so well. And they have a really, really great program for you know training underwriters and things like that. But she went on mat leave. And then when she had come back off of mat leave, she joined our team, right. which was really great. But that said... Literally, she may be having a baby today or tomorrow, so we're losing her. Okay. <laughs> so what's happening now is actually I've really been utilizing the BRICS Sharon Assistant Program. So I've been chatting with a couple people from the BRICS team, and I actually have two conversations tomorrow with underwriters associates at the BRICS level that you've created, Scott, Yeah. that yeah. I have like literally 10 or 12 unicorns to choose from now, I feel. They all have experienced... I believe they're all licensed. Yeah. They're all very transparent about how they want to get paid. There's really no gray area. And they've seen 10 times more files than I've seen. Right. So I'm really excited for tomorrow because I get to like choose from one of these unicorns. And hopefully our business is seamless with Taylor leaving. We we're expecting her to possibly be gone like mid-February, but it sounds like it's going to be quicker than that. So we had to act like literally last week. And that's when I went on to the share and assistant program at Bricks. And I found like all these wicked resources of these people who would be willing to work with us. Like, holy shit, right. did I ever just get lucky? Just like you said. So, right. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that you plugged into that. But yeah, the process obviously really matters. If then you can put people in place to actually execute, then you have something magical. And then you can sell lots and lots totally. of leases or mortgages and yeah. do really well with it. So, I think this has been an amazing conversation. Cool. Like, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't? I think I'd just leave it with one piece here. I work with a couple different teams in a couple communities and one of their top agents on their team said like, I'll probably never use like a guy like Jared or anything because people love to be local. They want to keep everything local. And then I kind of fired back and I said, I've done 22% of my business in the city I live in. The rest is across Western Canada. Like that's 80% of my business of people I've never met in my life. And yeah, like last year we did a lot of mortgages and I've met three people face to face. And not one of them ever is questioned like, oh, I wish you were local. Mm -hmm. They just want the job done. They want a good rate. They want good service. And they want you to pick up when you call. And I find that that's the most important piece. So I'd say like just advice to anybody out there, because you live in a community of 50 or 100,000 people doesn't mean that's where your business has to be. Like I've done some marketing up in Northern Alberta, out in Central BC, like down here, I'm going to see what it takes to actually get licensed in the US because I know a couple of realtors down in Washington. I was like, man, that would be awesome to get into that market. Right. Yeah. Like real estate agents are limited to what they can show, totally. what they can list in their area, whereas we don't have that same limitation. So build a business that's actually like, totally. you know, it's also more recession proof because you're not tied to one market. Not at all. In your case, you're not even tied to one province, right? So that's fantastic. Yes. Well, hey, man, thanks for coming to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right. Hopefully you got some inspiration for that. I know I did. Absolutely. I love this guy, man. He's doing some great stuff. And, you know, if you found this helpful, shoot him a note. Like I know that he would appreciate that. You can send him an email or just say, Hey man, heard your show. Thought it was great. I think that would be a nice thing to do if you found this to be useful. 
doesn't cost you anything except just say, hey, man, this was good. So I outlined for you a couple of the ways that he does this and just break it down. So the first thing that he talked about is the automated email on submission. And so some people are doing this, but most people aren't. And he's actually, when the file is submitted, he's notifying, obviously, his realtor, his client, everybody gets notified that the file is submitted. And he tends to work with lenders that have quick turnaround time so that it makes them look good. And he's setting a 24 to 48 hour timeline, which... Of course, if you can beat that, if you say it's going to take 48 hours, we do it 24, you look like a hero. If you say it's going to be done in 24 hours and it takes you 72, you don't. And so he engineered that at the beginning. You know, the next day after it's submitted, he's calling the client and the realtor just to give them an update, let them know what's going on. And, you know, the first one is automation. The second one is just the phone call, touch base. Hey, let you know if we need an appraisal. Conditional approval comes back. He's going to reach out to the buying agent again, let them know if they need an appraisal or not. Realtors love this because it's like, okay, do I need to organize something or not? I think that's just a nice little touch. And then this is where I think he gets very clever. So when it's nearly unconditionally approved, so obviously you get a conditional approval, unless you're really clean on the file. Usually there's a couple outstanding things. When it's almost there, as I said earlier, when it, the ball is almost in the hoop, he reaches out to the listing agent without private personal information, but just let him know he's worked on the file, that he's taking care of it. And then within a very short period of time, he's reaching out again to say, hey, hopefully the process is good for you and letting them know about appraisals and stuff. And he talks about the fact not all buyer's agents communicate well, right? Sometimes they keep them in the dark. And by looping them in at the nearly unconditional stage, it's like you're setting up a little mini win that they're like, wow, that was awesome, because they don't know how long it's going to take. And so I think that has helped him with so many relationships. When you think about, you know, 22%, he's from that community, he's well embedded, knows a ton of people in that community because he worked there for years, you know, in the bank. And now his only 22% of his business is local because Every time he works files, wherever he's working them, he's building new partnerships. And that becomes very hard to compete with. Like he's not even competing with people in his own market anymore. And I absolutely love the fact that, as he said, if you think about it, we're all selling pizzas. We all have the same product. It's like your process is what's going to make or break you or make it unique. And I love that he did this. And then once approved, again, he's going to reach out to that call that listing agent. And that's his introduction point. Hey, I've got that nearly approved email. We're almost unconditional. Then once approved, I'm going to reach out. And that's the warm introduction that turns into new relationships. Even just taking care of things on the back end, like 14 days before funding, reach out to the lawyer, his assistant will 10 to 14 days, make sure everything's ready to go. The day of funding, his assistant's reaching out to the lawyer saying, hey, do you have the funds? Are you ready to go? And they'll catch problems there. Guaranteed, if you make 10 of those calls, you're going to find one or two problems that you can solve that client won't even know about. And it's all done, taken care of. And like, wow, that was really easy. Realtors are like, wow, that was really easy. We're not sitting there stressing at the last minute because somebody was ahead of it. And I think that extra step, even though it's a little bit of work, it's 100% worth it. Because if you do it 10 times, there's going to be one that's going to be sideways. And you're going to find out about it before you're waiting till three o'clock in the afternoon to find out that it's sideways. All of that creates a process that becomes like a magnet that sucks in more referral partners. And there's a question I saw Alex Ramosi once asked, and he said that if you could only get clients from your existing clients, how would you change your process or how would you change your business? So if you think about that, Jared has primarily, he's pretty much done this. He's got his clients from existing clients. And so he's got his referral partners from existing referral partners. By using that, by creating a great process, you can attract amazing people. I'd encourage you to check this out or to start implementing this. Definitely send Jared a note. Say thanks, hey man, that was an awesome podcast. I think he'd appreciate that. And thanks again for listening to the I Love Mortgage Brokering Podcast. This is a podcast where brokers collaborate and help each other get better. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.